What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Akiva. She is one of the two hosts of a YouTube channel called The Bemused. But before we jump in to talk about Akiva and her story, first, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored. It's the first episode that I've ever created on the podcast that actually has a sponsor. And I'm excited about this because this sponsorship actually was developed from my conversation with last week's podcast guest, which was Tanya Menendez. She is one of three female founders of Snowball Wealth. She's also Latina. So I was really, really excited to connect with her on the show. If you haven't heard that episode yet, definitely go back and listen to it. It's the episode that was published right before this one. Snowball Wealth really just gives you tips and resources for your student loans. What I learned from Tanya is that it doesn't just try to generalize student loans for people. It doesn't just compare a bunch of options that you have. It actually focuses on education first. So really giving you that financial education, you need to understand your loans, to understand what the heck is going on with your student loans, and then also to personalize the plan and personalize the information that you're getting, the analysis of your accounts to you and your situation. So if you have student loans, you can head on over and sign up at snowballwealth.com. Okay, so without further ado, I have Akiva from The Bemused. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody out there watching and listening? Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Akiva Thomas. And um, as Jenilee said, I run the YouTube channel, The Bemused, along with my fiance, Meshach. And what we're focused on is basically anything having to do with personal finance for young adults just like us. So anything from student loans to taxes to budgeting, anything and everything, money and relationships, we talk about all of that stuff. Well, first of all, congratulations because you're recently engaged. I yes, saw that on you. Instagram. I was like, oh, <laughs> you guys got engaged. So that's really sweet that um, not only are you talking about your personal finance journey personally, right, with student loans and stuff, mm-hmm. but also that you get to do it with your partner and that you guys yes. get to do it together. That's just so sweet. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the BMUs and all the stuff that you guys are doing together. But first, I just want to start with a really fun question, which is if you had to go back in time and, and find a purchase that you made that was way too expensive and to this day you still regret making that purchase, what would that thing be? Uh, hands down, my car. So, <laughs> yeah. So this is a whole story. We did a whole video on it as well. Um, all the mistakes that I made when I purchased my car. But essentially, I purchased my first car, the car that I still have back in August of 2016. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was like going into my senior year of college, um, you know, still not very established and all that kind of stuff. And um, I definitely paid more for the car than I probably should have. So I made a lot of mistakes in that process. I didn't mm. do a lot of research. I did not negotiate yeah. the price. The interest rate that I ended up getting Ooh. for my car note was like super duper expensive. So thankfully, oh, I've now no. paid that car off. I paid the car off in December 2019, but still, it's just Ooh. like one of those things. It's like, oh, uh, I'm like, thank you. Yeah, but hindsight, it's like, oh, hindsight's 2020. <laughs> that's right. We listen, we live and we learn. I made so many mistakes with things that I've, that's why I always like to ask that question because, you know, yes, you're on here as a financial influencer who obviously has her stuff together. You and your fiance both are giving really great advice to young people, but there was a time where I'm sure that was not the mm-hmm. case. And so I always yes. like to start off with that to just show people out there listening that, you know, as an inspiring point, but also as like a, hey, ain't nobody perfect. Exactly. We, we don't have everything figured out. We made mistakes and that's how we learned. And that's why we're here where we are today but you know just as a way to encourage people that you know mistake we all make financial mistakes okay yes have, for sure have our We're human. that's right mm-hmm. so on the flip side on the opposite side of that what was something that you bought that was super expensive that you were actually glad that you made that purchase and you're proud of it and to this day you you would buy it again if you had the chance to to make the decision again mm-hmm. so this might surprise some people but actually my most expensive purchase i think 
hands down for most people outside of a house maybe is going to college and right. all the debt that's associated with going to college, you know, paying okay. for my degrees essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I complain a lot about student loan debt. Of course I have so many videos on how to manage student loan debt, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like I don't regret that decision going to college and even taking out the debt that I needed to take out in order to, to go to college. Yeah. Um, so I definitely don't regret that at all. I mean, going to college has presented so many opportunities and experiences mm-hmm. and like personal mm-hmm. growth and spiritual growth and just things that I would not have had if I had stayed home in New York. So, um, going away to college and having that experience, I think like I, despite the $80,000 of debt that it put me in, I would Ooh. not regret it for the world. <laughs> I hear that though. I feel like I also really enjoyed college. And I feel like even now I think back, I, I got very lucky because I got a full ride, but I mm-hmm. got into a lot of credit card debt while I was in college because I was trying so hard to keep up. And even like people ask me all the time, like, Oh, do you regret it? If you could go back, would you not do it? And it's like, well, it's hard for me to say I regret it because it wouldn't have made me the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. Like, it's exactly. kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, exactly. who knows what I, what I would have done otherwise. Um, okay, so tell us a little yeah. bit about college. Tell us about where you went to school, what you study, um, and, and what was college like for you leaving from New York and going off to a campus? Yeah, so I went for undergrad. I went to school out in the Maryland, D.C. area, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I definitely loved it. I definitely wanted to be someplace where I wasn't too far from home. So, like, it was like yeah. maybe a you know four-hour drive away from home, mm-hmm. um, but far enough where I can kind of have my own distance and kind of have the opportunity and space to be myself. Yeah. Um, so college was definitely a, a, a good experience for me. It was definitely a very humbling experience. I learned a lot about finances, about financial aid and like all the stuff that I did not know before that my parents didn't know. Um, and I guess we can talk about that more too in terms of, you know, upbringing and decision-making. Um, yes. But yeah, I wouldn't regret it for the world. I studied, I ended up studying finance in college. I also right. double majored in accounting. I added that major on later on as well. Um, so that kind of set a good foundation for the business knowledge and different mm-hmm. things like that. But of course, even with the finance degree, they don't really talk about personal finance as much. So that's, that's a core difference. Is that Can I get some snacks? Say it again for the people in yeah, the back. Yeah, you can finance. study finance, you can yeah. study business, you can study, oh, but you will not get personal finances. You will yeah. not get how to manage your paycheck when you get your mm-hmm. money, what to do with that money. It's very different. Yeah. Very, very different. And that's why like uh, along the course of um, undergrad, I realized that this is something I want to make a career out of like this. I want to help other people with their money. And so from that point on, I you know learned about the field of financial planning and financial advising. And I decided I want to be a financial planner. So once awesome. I graduated, I went on to grad school, got a master's degree in financial planning specifically, mm-hmm. and you know went on to get my CFP certification. And like now I work you know, full time. That's my nine to five is working um, as a financial planner for ultra high net worth families. So it's just something that, um, you know, really I took it and ran with it and I, I love it. I really do love what I do. That's so cool. So you're kind of like on the inside getting to see Mm -hmm. how super, super like uber, uber rich people use their money. So what are some things that you have taken from that? Like, what are some things that either you've noticed or that you've learned or some interesting things that maybe surprised you from like, you know, kind of like looking under the hood of the money Mm -hmm. of rich, of rich people. Like, what has that been like? Yeah, I think people have a lot of stereotypes when it comes to people who have a lot of wealth. Like my typical client is, you know, net worth of like 100 million. Like when you get up to like those big clients, like sometimes the numbers like now I'm I'm kind of immune to it. But before it was like, these are like really big numbers and you have stereotypes of what rich people do and what wealthy people are like. But really, they're just like a lot of people, they have the same concerns, the same worries, the same, right. you know, the way how everybody's freaking out about the economy and the stock market. They are too, you know, obviously they have family, they, they have the same too. concerns about making sure that they're raising their kids right and teaching them yeah. the right lessons about money. So mm-hmm. really the biggest um, thing was just learning that 
people are human at the end of the day. We all have the same common concerns and worries and things like that. So it's just a matter of the magnitude of wealth. Of course, there's different opportunities that that presents when you have larger sums of wealth. Um, But really at the core of it, you know, people, people are the same. So. That's awesome. I love that point. That's so true because a lot of times we tend to just like, you know, we just tend to like make assumptions and like judge other people. Oh, you got all this money. You must not have no problems or, oh, you have all this money. You must be a a jerk. You must be like, you must not care about others because all you have is all this, all this money. And it's just, it's not true. People are people. At the end of the day, I I personally have come to believe, especially as I started to like meet and work with um, closely more wealthy people that are way wealthier Mm -hmm. than I ever would have imagined that I could be. um, I started learning from them that like listen money doesn't really change you right money just makes you more of who you are so if we're gonna if you're if you were a jerk from when you were young and you're just a jerk type of personality and you're just a rude person you don't really care about others you're not really empathetic having more money is only going to draw those negative characteristics out but if you're a very kind person and you mean well and you have and you're well-intentioned and you're positive Mm -hmm. spirit like you're gonna do all the positive things with your money when you get more money it just makes you more of who you are Yes, so, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Okay, so let's rewind a little bit back before college. You mm-hmm. said you grew up in New York. Tell us about growing up. What was it like? You said that your parents didn't know a lot about like FAFSA and college and all that. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about growing up, your parents. What was your uh, upbringing like? Yeah, so I, as you know, a lot of people grew up in a family of immigrants. And my parents are immigrants. They're mm-hmm. you know new to this country. They were new to this country. Um, and talk, growing up, we really didn't talk about money at all. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of families, I had right. no idea what anything was. You know, we just, those conversations just didn't happen. Right. And so when I got older and, you know, it was, it was time to go to college and like filling out the FAFSA and doing all these forums, like they couldn't help me because they hadn't gone through it themselves. Yeah. And so it was really up to me to figure out. And really that's when I realized how much I did not know going through that process. And it's right. just like, you know, this is, you know, something has got to change. Like, you know, yeah. people have got to have got to do better. And so that was really the the kind of defining moment for me mm-hmm. when it really turned my attention toward learning more about money and learning more about personal finance and becoming interested in it. Um, just realizing how much I didn't know. And I didn't, I didn't like that feeling of not knowing things. I'm used to knowing things growing up. I was like, yeah. I'm a pretty smart, smart person. Yeah. I should know how to do this. And this is That's the feeling. Right. So I really just kind of took with it and, you know, ran with it. Yeah. And so now I'm in a position where I'm able to, you know, help my parents, help the people around me, you know, educate them on the things that they might not know about so that yeah. they can, you know, build a better future for themselves and for their kids and their grandkids. And that's really like the most rewarding part um, about going into this field mm-hmm. is just being able to help everybody else around you thrive. Cause that's one thing I was tired of seeing. It just, it just seemed like everybody around me was struggling and, yep. and you know, I wanted to be part of the, the solution. So yeah. glad that yeah. going down this path has helped me to, to be in that position. Yeah. I love that. So where did your parents immigrate from when they came to New York? So they're from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, cool. So, okay. From the Caribbean, yeah. Awesome. Trinity people. So I grew up yeah. in Bushwick, and like the number one thing about Bushwick that people don't realize, because right now it's very gentrified and it's all like mm-hmm, artsy party. Sure. But before all that, when I grew up in Bushwick in the 90s, it was just Dominican, Puerto Rican, Jamaican, Trinidadians. Uh, you know, it was, it was just so yeah. Caribbean. It was like heavy Caribbean, West Indian. And mm-hmm. it's just funny how quickly like that. I don't know if that experience, so experience yeah. how quickly it changed. Yes, I grew up in Crown Heights. It's the, it's the same thing. Like going Ooh, back to those yes. neighborhoods now, it's like whoa. Like what happened yeah. here? It looks yeah, so exactly. different. That is yeah. so true. It's 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 scary. But I mean, you know, that's New York, right? Like it, it's mm-hmm. always. Changing. 
It's also like the economics of it, right? All of a sudden they decided real estate is more valuable in these neighborhoods. And all of a sudden, like landlords are raising their rent. Like you start to just see that the ripple effect that it has on our people. It's, it's, it's actually super sad. Like I remember when I first came back from college and I saw how the neighborhood changed. I felt like I was actually mad at first to it. And now I <laughs> wrap my brain around what's actually happening. And I understand mm-hmm. more. that doesn't mean it doesn't make me mad, but at least I understand what's happening. Because before I really didn't understand. I just thought, oh my goodness, this is horrible. You know, and now I actually understand the economics of it, the way that, you know, communities change. And yeah. Um, Cool. So tell us a little bit about um, starting the BMUs, because I know it, it's rooted a lot in, in college and paying back college, paying student loans, understanding FAFSA. A lot of your most popular videos are about that. Your number one most watched video, which has you know tens of thousands of views, is about federal student loans and the most uh, strategic way to tackle federal student loans. So what made you kind of decide to, instead of just working with your fiance on your own personal finances and getting you guys, getting yourselves out of, out of student loan debt, why take to a public platform and start talking about it publicly? What, what inspired you guys to do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. If you had told me even a year before I started the channel that I was going to be starting a YouTube channel, I'd have been like, you're crazy. <laughs> that is not something that I do. That just did not seem like it sat well with me. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was multiple reasons why um, we ended up starting the brand. Um, so the brand, it's a financial literacy brand, but of course at the core is our YouTube channel. That is where we put out our main content um, about personal finance. And so one, it was a, a challenge to myself because I struggled a lot and still do with social anxiety. And I was like, you know, maybe this is something that will push me out of my comfort zone. It's really, it's really also a personal challenge as well. Um, And so it's been really helpful to me in that way to kind of really put myself out there and um, help combat that. Um, And then also it's just like, you know, I knew that I had a knowledge base and a unique perspective that a lot of people that I saw on YouTube, um, you know, didn't have. And also we're putting it in a way that is really relatable. So, yeah, so it's like I knew I could use YouTube to reach the people that I was really passionate about reaching people like me, young adults, um, you know, oftentimes in part of minority groups. um, That's really important um, to me. And so I knew YouTube was the platform. It was also going to be able to challenge me and things like that. And I think that representation matters. Like on YouTube, it's like, um, yeah, it's it's such it can be such like a male dominated space at at times. And um, definitely not a lot of minorities out there talking about personal finance in this way also from the perspective of being in the field as a financial planner not just relying on personal experience but also having formal training and and things like that that they can bring to the table so i just thought that you know we had a a unique perspective to share and also Mm -hmm. making it relatable because that was really important is we're very transparent that's one of our our core values is transparency you know we share all about um our personal finances we do net worth updates we do you know budgets you guys basically all my income and my assets liabilities all that's public information at this point (laughs) um so we wanted to make it relatable you know we have student loan debt just like you you know we have our our struggles we talk about you know relationship conflict when it comes to money we talk about all the things that you know everybody goes through and so all of that just in combination really is uh, what makes our our channel what it is, and um, why we really wanted to to share that with other people, because um, like I said, representation matters. Even as a financial professional, as a certified financial planner, which there aren't that many that I've seen on on YouTube. Period, right. especially yeah. financial planners of color, because there just aren't that many of us. Yeah, um, I think when the statistics are about, I think out of like the eighty five thousand certified financial planners that are in the country, only like twenty three percent are women. Ooh. Only about five percent are under the age of thirty. And oh only three and a half percent are black or Latinx. Like that's combined three and a half percent. So there aren't that many of us. So to be 
Yeah, it's crazy. And so to be like a 22 year old black female CFP on this platform, I just think that that it was a that I should use the voice that I have because there aren't that many to, to offer um, to be helpful to people in that way. And so I just find it like just really rewarding to be yeah. a part of this. That is so dope. Honestly, I mean, first of all, I should start by saying I had no idea. I could never tell from watching you uh, that you have social anxiety. So good job on like getting putting yourself out there and like just, you know, being natural. Because I feel like I never would have got that sense. Like, I mean, obviously you guys are like a little more reserved and you guys are a little more chill. You know, there's nothing about your channel that's like gimmicky and jumpy and like crazy, <laughs> right? But at the same yeah. time, even though you guys are chill, like you just, I don't really get that sense. So, I mean, nice job to you guys for putting yourselves in a position where you put yourself outside of your comfort zone and like force yourself to just really put yourself out there because I think that that pays off you know especially as you get a little older and you start to network more and you start to mm-hmm. realize like you know you are your network you gotta you be able to put yourself out there and be comfortable talking to people from all walks of life so yes yeah for sure. I, I, thank you I appreciate you saying that it's good I look back mm-hmm. at like our, our early videos where we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of our channel April 3rd and mm-hmm. I look back at our old videos I'm like oh so cringy <laughs> but it's like so good to see how like how far you've come I know you still you know still have so much more progress to make too yes. so I really appreciate you saying yes. that yes I listen I totally that resonates with me so much because sometimes <laughs> I go back and watch my older videos even not even just like I cringe because of like how I was because I was like mm-hmm. still trying but also how I was editing them. Like every five yeah. seconds, I was like, cut, cut, cut. Like I was like, can you just let yourself play for five, 10 seconds without making a cut or an edit? Like what is going on? Yes. Yeah, so you, you get more confidence as you go, as you do it more and more, you know? Yes, for and sure. That's yeah. awesome. All right, cool. So tell us a little bit about that video, which is your most popular video. What are like two or three tips that anybody could take from that video? Like the key points about the most strategic way that you can tackle your student loans, regardless of how much you have. If you have federal student loan debt, like these are the maybe two things that you have got to know that you're probably not doing that could make a big difference. Yeah. So I think the two biggest things and the things that come up most like in the comments of that video were the simple things, like the one thing that I thought most people knew, but apparently they didn't, was the fact that when you put um, auto pay, like auto debit on your federal student loans, you get that 20, you know, that 0.25% interest reduction. That was like, I thought, you know, everybody knew that, but it was really clear to me afterward that there were so many people commenting saying they had no idea. And Um, so that's just like such an easy, easy way, like such a low hanging fruit in order to, you know, reduce your interest rate and therefore reduce how much you have to pay, you know, in the long run and your student loan. You save money over time because 0.25 might not sound like a lot, but like, first Mm -hmm. of all, let's be real, that's more than a lot of people's savings accounts are giving them. And two, when you compound that over the 10, 15 years that you're making payments, Mm -hmm. a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. It makes a really big difference. So that was one thing that, you know, surprised me that it's just really easy for people to implement. And the second thing that was really like the core thing that I felt like nobody was really saying when it came to debt payoff was the fact that you want to try to get your payments to be as low as possible. A lot of people default to like, you know, the 10 year standard. I think that's going to be the best way or, you know, other people who are income driven payment plans or whatever plan they kind of just put themselves into. But um, the important part is really just making sure your payments are as low as they can be. Um, the good thing about this current environment is that now everybody's payments are going and going and going. Everybody's and that's paying. like the ideal environment to right. kind of tackle the loans. And that way right. you have more money to tackle the loans that have that, the higher interest rate um, exactly. debt that you really want to tackle first. Because that's yeah. the most efficient way of paying it off if you're using the debt avalanche method, which is the method I talk about and recommend like in that video. Yeah. So those are kind of like the two like PowerPoints in that video. Um, I really people don't really that. think about. Yeah. Absolutely right. Because I feel like also there's this big thing in like the debt free community about um, the snowball method and a lot mm-hmm. of people like to 
apply that. But like me personally, I am all team avalanche. I'm yeah. always, I've been from day one saying that, yes, there is an emotional aspect to it. But at the end of the day, unless you owe like a millions of dollars in debt, the, the math matters because we're talking about thousands mm-hmm. of dollars that you could save if you're talking about student loan versus credit card interest or a personal loan versus, uh, you know, uh, the worst thing of all, which is going to a, a payday loan because those payday loans like legally could charge you 300, 400 percent. Those are the worst things in the world. So yeah. I, mean, I, think, I really do think people need to understand that money is math. At the end of the day, it is numbers. Whether you like to admit it or not, your emotions are involved. But when you sit down and look at how much you could save, hopefully that is enough to make your emotions realize that you need to get on this debt avalanche plan mm-hmm. and smash this debt like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah for sure the math is important and that's what you know the strategy that i use for um you know i talked about my car earlier that was my highest interest rate that it was like almost eight percent that was higher Ooh. than any of my student loans and oh so what goodness. i really needed to do was to get my student loans as low as possible so i could put as much money toward my you know my car note as possible yes. like in that situation and so like yeah i definitely am motivated by the numbers but that's just you know that's you and me so i definitely don't downplay you know, the snowball method or any other methods at all, because I understand everybody's different. Everybody's motivated by different things. People's emotions are different. Um, And so if like, honestly, it's like at at certain point, it's just like, you have to do what's going to motivate you to pay it off. Makes that's no right. sense trying to force the avalanche method on you if that's not going to motivate you. Right. At the end of the day, as long as you're paying, right? If you're exactly. along the way because you're you're not feeling like it's working, even if it yeah. actually is working, if you don't feel like it is, your mind can play tricks on you. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I definitely hear that point. People just got to do what makes sense for them, what's going to work exactly. for you, and your your personal preferences mm-hmm. and your emotions and your personality. That that that's that's very true. I'm very yeah. like numbers driven, math driven, like at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. honestly, this came from, I learned the hard way because you say 8% was your highest. And it's funny. Cause I was like, Ooh, that's high for um, a car loan. It but, is, yeah. but my credit cards were three times that my credit cards. Right. And I had like, $20,000 of credit cards. It was 20 something percent. Yeah. That was crazy to me. Like it, yeah. it makes so much sense. Like make the minimum as low as possible. And every extra dollar you have mm-hmm. smash that 27% credit card first, because yeah. that's that's growing at the at the fastest rate like of growth and you you're not going to be able to keep up it's like you got to smash that first so i mean for me the credit card stuff like taught me to be numbers focused and mm-hmm. number driven but i think a lot of what you're saying too makes so much sense for people to just figure out what is it that's going to work for you and yeah. just gonna get you to the finish line cuz right what- and also not debt shaming either because i do have a lot of people also who come in as bullies in the comments like no the debt snowball over everything and don't really understand yeah. why it is they kind of follow that's people's right. advice blindly and not really understanding you know why there isn't necessarily a right or wrong yeah. it's more so what works for each person um, so also, like, yeah, I see a lot of that debt shaming and things like that, um, you know, on YouTube. And so that's something that I definitely, you know, want to be mindful of and encourage people not, you know, not to do. Everybody's personal finance journey is just that personal. And, you know, people are going to have to do it work yeah, for them. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. I totally agree. It is so personal. You just got to figure out what's going to work for you, what's going to help you to stay motivated and to stick to it. Because the worst thing in the world is that you start and then you just stop <laughs> and you just. Yeah, that's what we don't want. <laughs> Um, cool. So, okay. I really like to do, um, this really fun thing where I ask you to give us a a quote that you would like to put on a dollar bill. So this is like, imagine everybody is walking around with a dollar bill in their hand. They're making purchases. They're, they're giving money to their kids. And what would the dollar bill say if you could change the United States of America on there and replace it with (laughs) your model, your message, or your slogan that you want them to see? So actually I would put a 
Bible verse. There is this one Bible verse that I love that I actually put on like my graduation cap when I was graduating from college. And the gist of it is basically saying that, you know, our sufficiency is a God, like my sufficiency is a God. That's the second Corinthians 3, 5. Um, and really what that that tells me, at least, like at the core of everything I do is about stewardship. It's about um, my my money management is not just about yes. me. As a, especially as a Christian, it's not about me. It's remembering one that God is in control and, and of everything that I do, of you know anything that happens to me, of everything that happens to me. And second of all, is that like I said, money management is not just about me. It's not about me growing my wealth. It's not about you know me, me, me. It's about how can I use this money as a tool to improve other people's lives because that's really what your job is as a Christian. It's not just you know to to think about yourself, to think about other people, and also how can I use this money to fulfill you know like the plan that he has for my life so that's what I would put on you know my dollar bill because I think that it just means so much to me in that you, you gotta at the end of the day you have to know what the purpose is the passion behind mm-hmm. the money it can't just be the dollar signs that's not what it's about. So yeah I love that cool so tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you if they want to hit you up if they want to follow your content where can they find you at so you guys can find us on YouTube at The Bemuse. That's YouTube.com slash The Bemuse. That's B as in boy, E, M as in Mary, U-S-E-D, The Bemuse. Awesome. Thank you so much, Akiva, for taking time to chat with me today. This was so awesome. I had a great time just learning more about you and your story. And um, keep doing what you're doing because you guys are, are just doing some fabulous work. I know your, your channel is going to blow up. And I'm going to be like, I talked to her when she only had 3,000 subs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jenny. I really appreciate you having me on. You're welcome, love. Have a good one. You too.